All right, well, good morning, everyone. My name is Kevin Norcross, uh, pastor of Next Generation Outreach. Uh, we're just uh, excited to continue on in our series on the book of Mark today. Um, it's good to be together here in the building and those uh, church at home. Did you know that there's still over 100 people that uh, watch our services online every week? Uh, it's pretty exciting. You know, when, we, when COVID came, it impacted all of us in different ways. It impacted the church as well. But it's exciting that, to know that our attendance, not that that's uh, all that matters, but our attendance is actually higher than it was pre-COVID. So God's at work and God's doing great things. We love that you're a part of West. Park, and we're just thrilled today to keep going in this series on the book of Mark. Um, we're going to be looking at Mark chapter 7. You can go ahead and turn there now. Uh, we're starting at verse 24. We're going to read it in just a minute. But what we're going to do today is look at two people whose needs had needs, and Jesus responded to their needs. Um, we, when we have a need, we react and we, re we respond. I'm thinking of some examples. I think of parenting. Parenting, uh, a young infant cries, the parents respond. Older, when they get a little bit older, fall off their bike, parents respond. They react, they go to try and help out. When they get a little older, you're kind of like, oh, they'll be fine. <laughs> that'll, that'll heal. But um, some other examples would be, you know, a personal injury. If you're working on something around the house and you jam your finger, you respond, you react. Uh, you give attention to that injury. Or if there's a medical emergency, <clears throat> the, the ambulances respond quickly. Then there's Toronto Maple Leaf fans. <laughs> now, I know we've been picked on a lot today, but this was in my notes, so I have to say what's in my notes. I, I'm not a Maple Leaf fan, but I'm sure they're out there somewhere. But when your team hasn't got a Stanley Cup in 54 years, and you haven't made it past the first round uh, of the playoffs in, in 19 years, there is a need there for a Maple Leaf fan for winning. And so I, I watched the, the overtime, and as soon as that puck went in the net, what did the fans do? They responded in great joy that the, the drought is over. But they responded. We respond to needs. When, when, when something happens, we respond. Now, these are just earthly examples of, of human things. It doesn't compare to the way Jesus, the God, creator of the universe, responds to you and responds to your needs. Imagine how much a parent responds to the earthly need of a child. How much greater does our Heavenly Father respond to our needs? So with this as the backdrop, we're going to read the scripture for today. Again, it's Mark 7, 24. Jesus is continuing on in his journey, impacting people, doing miracles. And today, again, we're going to learn about two different people that Jesus impacted. And uh, let's stand together and we're going to read this. Mark chapter 7, starting at verse 24. Jesus left that place and went to the vicinity of Tyre. He entered the house and did not want anyone to know it. Yet he could not keep his presence secret. In fact, as soon as she heard about him, a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an evil spirit came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek born in Syria, uh, Syrian Phoenicia. She begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. First, let the children eat all they want, he told her, for it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. Yes, Lord, she replied, but even the dogs understand the table, under the table, eat the children's crumbs. Then he told her, for such a reply, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. This will make sense later. Don't worry. 
She went home and found her child lying on the bed and the demon gone. So this was the first uh, situation. And then here is the second one, uh, verse 31. Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon down to the Sea of Galilee into the region of Decapolis. There, some of the people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk. And they begged him to place his hand on the man. After he took him aside away from the crowd, Jesus put his fingers in the man's ears. Then he spit and touched the man's tongue. He looked up to heaven and with a deep, Sigh said to him, Aphatha, which means be opened. At this, the man's ears were opened, his tongue was loosened, and he began to speak plainly. Jesus commanded them to not tell anyone, but the more he did so, the more they kept talking about it. People were overwhelmed with amazement. He has done everything well, they said. He even makes the deaf hear and the meat speak. All right, you can sit down. So here we have these, these two stories. Two different instances where there were people in need and Jesus responded. They were facing difficulties and struggles and Jesus intervenes in their life. There's a lot that we can learn from these stories. And, uh, and we're going to learn a lot from them. But we're going to start just by going through verse by verse, okay? So that first verse there, verse 24. Jesus left that place, went to the vicinity of Tyre. He entered, entered the house and did not want anyone to know it. Yet he could not keep his presence secret. So Jesus didn't go there for public ministry. It says he went to a house. And uh, he went there because he needed some, some alone time. He needed a break. Perhaps he was tired from uh, all the ministry he was doing. Perhaps he was tired of the, uh, uh, the, the Pharisees picking on him and constantly uh, oppressing him. Regardless of the reason, Jesus went there for rest. This reveals to us the, the humanity side of Jesus, fully God, fully human. He had a humanity side to him and he needed to rest. He needed some time on his own. It's a reminder to us that we need to look after ourselves physically, spiritually, and emotionally. But people found out that Jesus was there and uh, they needed his help. So the next verse. In fact, as soon as she heard about him, a woman with, whose little daughter was possessed by an impure spirit came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, born in Syrian Phoenicia. She begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. So she would have heard about Jesus, about the miracles he did, about his fame. And she was a, a, a Gentile. And this interaction here is a reminder that Jesus came for the sake of the Jews and the Gentiles. The Gentiles didn't have the social status that the Jews did in that day. But the woman didn't care about the social status. She needed Jesus' help. And she came to him because she had need. Her daughter was being tormented by this evil spirit. This is a reminder to you, know that Jesus is your source. When you have need in your life, know that Jesus has the power to answer that need. And just like this woman went to Jesus, we need to go to Jesus. Also, she didn't let her social status or what other people thought of her prevent her from going to see Jesus. She went anyways. It doesn't matter about your background, past, abilities, Jesus loves and cares for you. And he says, come to me. So she begged Jesus to heal her daughter. And Jesus responded with a little bit of a head scratcher. This next part is confusing, but don't worry, it's going to make sense. Verse 27, Jesus responds and says this. First, let the children eat all they want, he told her. For it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Lord, she replied, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Okay, so at first glance, you're like, what? That's very confusing. That's okay. 
When we come across things in scripture like this that are confusing, that should cause us to dig in and figure out what's going on. At first glance, you might think, oh, cool. If my kids are sick, I just have to get some bread and throw it to the dog and they're going to be okay. Or, okay, maybe I don't have bread. Would craft Dinner do if I put some craft Dinner on the floor? Or I don't have a dog. Would a cat do maybe if I fed the cat? I have a goldfish. Give the goldfish some craft dinner. You see, sometimes when you don't do good background work and understand the context, you can go off on this tangent and, and get really confused. So what I did, I, I, do, I dove into scripture. I read some commentaries of some people who are way smarter than me. And by the end of it, I said, Ah, that makes sense. So let me explain it to you. The contrast here is actually between Israelites and Gentiles. He's comparing uh, children and dogs. In the Old Testament, uh, the children of Israel was a term used very, very much. So God called Israelites his children. So he's comparing the children to the dogs, which in society that day, dogs were like scoundrels. They were out on the street. And so they referred to the Gentiles in that day as dogs. So he's comparing children at the table to dogs who eat scraps, which is the people of Israel and the Gentiles. And what he's saying here is essentially the Israelites were the highest, higher status in that day and the Gentiles were the lowest status in that day. And her response essentially recognizes, Jesus, your message is not just for the children at the table, but for the dogs as well. She realized her status as a Gentile and knew that Jesus had the power to help her, not just the children at the table. And so... Um, she knows that Jesus cares for her, even though society does not. Isn't that cool? As you dig into it, you see what, what, what's being said there. You understand the context. So uh, there are promises for you in scripture that are for you today. And you don't deserve them based on your achievements, your good works, and you're not discounted from them based on your failures, past mistakes. Jesus freely promises them to you, like, she, like he did for this uh, Gentile woman. So let's go on. Verse 29, he told her, for such a reply, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. So she went home and found her child lying on the bed, and the demon was gone. So Jesus was pleased with her reply. It showed her humility recognizing her status as a Gentile, and it showed her faith, saying, Jesus, heal my daughter. So he responded to her cry for help. He healed her daughter. The woman returned home, found her daughter lying on the bed, exhausted from being tormented by this demon, but set free. Remember, learn to have faith in Jesus and trust him that he has the power to help you and he has the ability to help. So then it goes on to another story of a man, another person who is in need, and Jesus responds. Okay, so let's read the next one, verse 31. Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon, down to the Sea of Galilee, into the region of the Decapolis. There some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk, and he begged Jesus to place his hand on him. So these people brought a deaf man to Jesus. The word here could have been uh, deaf or uh, had a speech impediment, but the bottom line is he had uh, difficulty talking. And they advocated for this man that Jesus would heal him because he could not advocate for himself. So verse 33, after he took him aside from the crowd, Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears. He spit and touched the man's tongue. So it's pretty cool here that Jesus in this crowd came across this man 
And he didn't deal with this man in the crowd. He took him aside. This shows the uh, intimacy and personality of Jesus. Uh, he, he took him aside and he had this moment with this man. And then it said he touched uh, his ears and he touched his tongue. This was symbolizing the areas of his body that needed healing. So he put his finger in his ears and he touched the man's tongue, indicating the organs that needed to be healed. He could have simply prayed or just laid hands on him, but he was uh, personal and he was intimate and close to this man in that moment. That's a reminder to you today that you have a personal encounter with Jesus. Your concept of Jesus, your understanding of Jesus, your needs, you are all different and individual and you have a personal relationship with Jesus and encounter of Jesus. Know that he cares deeply for you. He understands, uh, he understood that man's struggles and he understands your struggles. He sees every dream, every hope and every desire. He hears every prayer, petition and cry. And he is personal and caring and you're valuable to him as an individual. And we see that again in this story. It goes on to say this, 34, he looked up to heaven with a deep sigh and said, Afatha, which means be opened. At this, the man's ears were opened, his tongue was loosened, and he began to speak plainly. So it's cool. It says he looked up into heaven. This was a, an example of Jesus communicating with God the Father. And then it says he let out a sigh. Again, it's communicating emotion. It's communicating connection with God. And it's a good reminder for us today that when you're in this moment of need, lift up your eyes to heaven and cry out to God. Let your, your deepest desires come out and express to God just like Jesus did in this moment. Both of these postures are, are indicators and reminders of our relationship, the relationship with Jesus and his Father and our relationship with God. He spoke to the man immediately and he began speaking plainly. Now this word here, loosened, is actually really, really interesting. It was a very, very powerful word in the original Greek language. It, the word loosened actually means the chains of his tongue were broken. The chains of his tongue were broken. Obviously, chains indicate uh, bondage, a prisoner. So I, I got myself the biggest chain that I could find at, at TSE. And what, what it's saying here is his tongue was actually wrapped up in chains. His tongue was in bondage. This need that he was coming to Jesus about wasn't frivolous. It was huge. These chains are heavy. He was weighed down by his, his inability to speak. His tongue was wrapped up in these chains. And this is a reminder to you and to me. When you come to Jesus with your needs, these things that are deep down inside of your heart, sometimes they can feel heavy. Sometimes you can feel the actual weight of what you're going through. Sometimes when you're coming to God and you're crying out to him with this great need or this great deep thing down in your heart and you're asking for freedom, it feels like you're stuck, like you can't be free from it. But in this scripture, Jesus said his tongue was loosened. The chains came off of his tongue. Sorry, that was really loud. Isn't that powerful? Isn't that neat? So, the next verse says, uh, verse 36, Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone, but the more they did so, the more they kept talking about it. 
People were overwhelmed with amazement. He has done everything well, they said. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. So the people were overwhelmed and amazed. It's also a reference to the Old Testament, Isaiah 35, 5. It says, then the eyes of the blind will be open and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Jesus fulfilled prophecy in that day. It was a, a, a reminder that Jesus was the Messiah prophesied about in the Old Testament. So that's the verse by verse walkthrough. Now we want to take this and apply it. Okay. Again, we, we looked at two different stories, right? The woman whose daughter was healed and the man uh, who was healed. There's a bit of a process that occurs in each one of these stories. I'm calling it a, a process. I'm not calling it a, a magic formula. Uh, I'm not calling it a secret code or a transaction because that kind of comes across as cheap and, and would make us kind of put God in a box. I'm not trying to put God in a box. What I'm trying to do is take something uh, practical, a biblical process that happened in these two stories and say, how can we apply it to our own lives? So there's some principles in scripture that we can take and apply to our own situations. In your notes there, you'll see the big idea. There are four biblical principles that you can apply to daily living. Four biblical principles that you can apply to daily living. So you'll see that in your notes. To simplify it, in both of these stories, there was a need. <laughs> they asked for help. Jesus had compassion. And then Jesus responds. So there are people in need. In, the, in these two stories, there's the woman and there's the man. They had a great need. Then they ask for help. Both come to Jesus and ask for help. In both of these stories, Jesus had compassion. He cared about their situation and their needs. And then Jesus responded. He acted on their behalf. So for today, we have a need. We ask for help. Jesus has compassion. And Jesus responds. So you can fill in the blank there. The first one, we have a need. There is a recognition today that we, as humans, have needs. And Jesus is the one that can help us. Our hope is in Jesus. The woman whose daughter was tormented, the man who is deaf, ask yourself the question, what kind of needs do you have in your life? It could be physical, emotional, spiritual. It could be something that you want to achieve or a goal that you want to reach in your life. Perhaps it's a need within your family or within ministry or in your job or in your school, your friendships in your community. We have a need. And secondly, the next blank there is we ask for help. There's a recognition that Jesus can help and we cry out to him in prayer. The woman came to Jesus and asked for help. The people brought the man to Jesus, asked for help. Look to Jesus for help. Put your faith in him. When you have needs in your life, don't be silent, but cry out to God and say, God, I need help. And then there's a step of obedience. This is scripture. Be in the word and understand the truth. Uh, study things about the need that you're going through and let uh, scripture guide you. Have a soft heart and be open to God's leading and then obey scripture and be willing to pay the consequences for your obedience should they come. So we have a need. We ask for help. Jesus has compassion. That's the next blank you can fill in there. Compassion. Jesus acknowledges the needs in both of these stories and had compassion towards them. Jesus sees your need and he has compassion towards you. Now, this is a very critical step in the process because you need to realize that Jesus responds to your needs with empathy and compassion and understanding. He's not far off and distant saying, oh, figure it out, you'll be fine. No, he's close and caring. And he responds to your need with empathy. 
And then you enter into a place of trust and you say, Jesus, I'm going to trust you no matter what happens. Remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego standing in front of the furnace? Incredibly about to face death. And they say, we know God has the power to rescue us. We know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God can rescue us. But even if he doesn't, we're going to obey. And they had that faith and trusted God with the outcome. And that's the way we need to be as well. We have a need. We ask for help. Jesus has compassion. And lastly, Jesus responds. Jesus takes action. Jesus healed that uh, little girl who was tormented by the evil spirit. Jesus healed that man who was deaf. And Jesus will take action on your behalf and be at work in your life. It might not be how you think it should be, but he will respond and he will be at work in your life. What an incredible way to live. What an incredible way to, to, to go out the door every day to whatever you do. Saying, God, I know you have the power to help me. I've cried out to you. You know my needs. You have compassion on me. You care about me. And God, I'm going to trust you with the results. I'm going to trust you no matter what happened. What an incredible way to live. So I've kind of laid out these principles to you, these four principles. Um, and I'm going to take three examples of how we can practically apply it to our lives. Now, this is an exhaustive list. These are just three things that I chose. And you got some homework today is to make sure you take notes, at least write down those four words, okay? At least write down those four words. Do some homework this week and say, what's going on in my life? <laughs> Where do I need to apply these principles to my own life and my own needs? So the first one I want to talk about, again, this isn't a magic formula. These are biblical principles that we can apply to things in our life. The one I chose was obedience to God in your relationships, Okay? There's a basic human need for relationships. We need relationships with each other, no matter uh, what situation you're in. Friends, family, small group, marriage, single. Some of you are longing for close friendships. Some of you have close friendships. Some of you, your marriages are great. Some of you are working on your marriage. Some of you are single and you desire to be married someday. Some of you are single and you're, you don't want to get married someday. Whatever uh, situation you're in, there's recognition that Jesus can help. You put your hope in Jesus. Trust God to provide those relationship needs for you. Secondly, we ask for help. There's recognition that Jesus can help. So you cry out to God in prayer saying, Jesus, help me. Help me in this area. I put my faith in you. Talk to God about your relationships and your struggles and your difficulties and your desires. Don't go silent. Take that posture of prayer like Jesus did. Cry out to God and lift up your voice to him. Then there's a step of obedience. Scripture. Be in the word. What does the Bible say about relationships? How do I become better at understanding the biblical model for relationships? Have a soft heart. Be willing to do what scripture says and then walk in obedience. The next part of the process is Jesus has compassion. Jesus acknowledges your need for relationships. Jesus wired you that way. He designed you that way. And he responds with compassion. Pursuing relationship with Jesus first will impact the rest of your relationships. So do that. Reach out to Jesus and then trust him with the outcome. Trust his timing. Trust that he will provide in this area of your life with relationships. And the last step, Jesus responds. Jesus takes action. Jesus will take action on your behalf. You just have to trust him with the results. Trust him to do what's right. Trust his timing. Trust when he's going to do what you're, you're, you believe uh, breakthrough in your relationships. And what an incredible way to live. 
What an incredible way to approach relationships in your life. God, you know my need. I, I've expressed it to you. I thank you that you care for me. And I'm just going to walk in obedience to, with prayer and scripture and trust you with the results. There's freedom there for you within your relationships. Okay? So that was one. Obedience to God in your relationships. The second one, obedience to God in your finances. Another basic human need, finances. We need finances to, to live, to eat, to, to provide, and to be generous. And there's recognition that Jesus can help with that need. That is our hope in Jesus. The Bible teaches that God provides for us and that we're stewards of our finances, and we need Jesus' help with that. So we have a need. Next, we ask for help. There's recognition that Jesus can help. And pray to God about your finances. Look to God for help. Trust him to provide for you financially. If you're in a tough situation financially, talk to God about that. If you're in a good situation financially, talk to God about that. If you're having difficulty trusting God with your finances and allowing to be a steward over it, trusting that God is in control, talk to God about that. If you're wrestling with whether you uh, should be tithing or being generous in your offerings, talk to God about that. Ask him for your guidance, for his guidance. You know, we're living in very unpredictable financial times. And I know uh, for some of you, finances is weighing very, very heavy on you. Call out to God and ask him for help in that area. Then look to scripture and take a step of obedience. Be in the word. Understand what the word says about finances, about managing your finances, about giving, about generosity. The Bible teaches that God provides for us and we are stewards of our finances. The Bible teaches that for us to manage our finances well. If you're not managing your finances well, look at what scripture says about it and get some help. The Bible also teaches we're to be generous with our tithes and offerings. So be in the word and be humble and have a soft heart and allow scripture to guide you in the area of your finances, okay? The next one, Jesus has compassion. Jesus sees your needs financially. Jesus sees what you're going through. And trust God with your finances and see him at work in your life. Follow the biblical teachings about finances and see God help you with that. Look for Jesus at, at work in your life and when you have some breakthroughs financially, give God the praise for that. Take a step of faith and be, be generous with your tithes and your offerings. Take a step of faith and get help managing your finances. And what an incredible way to live with finances. As we say, God, I have a need. You see that need. I come to you for help. I cry out to you. I talk to you about it. You understand. You respond with compassion. And then I trust you to help me and I trust you with the results. The, la the last area I want to talk about is obedience to God in your life goals. Obedience to God in your life goals. Again, we have a need. We've been given this time and this energy here on earth, and how are we going to spend it? We need to live with purpose and have goals and have uh, desires and, and fulfillment in our life. And there's recognition that Jesus can help with that need. That is our hope in Jesus. So we ask for help with prayer. We look to Jesus for help saying, God, help me. I, I, I talk to God about your dreams and your aspirations and your life goals. Talk to him about those things that you hold deep down inside your heart. Ask him to lead you and guide you and put his goals and purpose and dreams in your heart. Don't stay silent, but open your, your voice and your heart to God and talk to him about it. Then go to, then this, with scripture is the step of obedience. Be in the word. Don't have goals that are 
contrary to what the Bible says, and then ask God to bless them. Have a soft heart. Be open to God's leading. God created you unique and special with your own giftings, personalities, background. You have something specific to contribute to this world, to contribute to this, your local church, to contribute to God's work here and God's kingdom here on earth. So Jesus has compassion. Jesus acknowledges your need and he responds with compassion. Jesus cares about your future. Jesus cares about your goals. Jesus wants you to do great things uh, with your life and he wants you to have an impact on this world and he has compassion over you. And lastly, Jesus responds. Jesus takes action. He'll take action on your behalf and work in your life. Trust him with your future. Trust him with your goals. Trust him with your dreams. Trust that he will provide a clear path for your future. Know that he holds those dreams close to him and he cares about every, every one of them. And what an incredible way to live. God, you know I have dreams and goals and aspirations. I've cried out to you. I've talked to you about them. You've responded with compassion. And now, God, I, I know you have the power to do something great in that area of my life and I leave the results up to you. So these three areas are just an example, but it can be applied to many different areas of your life. And that's why my challenge for you this week is that if you didn't take notes, you'd at least write down those four words. Need, help, compassion, respond. And then take some time this week. Take some time this week and come before God with this process, these biblical principles, and, 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 and apply it to a certain area of your life where you're in need or a dream or a desire. You know, I, I talked about this chain before. And again, it's a reminder that some of you are in this situation right now in your life. This is what it feels like right now in that, with that specific need in your life. You feel weighed down. You feel heavy. Your heart is heavy. Your mind is ruminating over these things over and over and over. You feel like you can't be free, God wants to set you free. God cares about each and every need, each and everything that you're dealing with and going through. I'd like to invite you to close your eyes before I pray. Just for a moment, I want you to think personally about your own life. What is that, what is God stirring your heart about today? What are things in your life that are weighing you down and holding you back? Remember, Jesus cares deeply and he sees your pain. He sees your hurt. He sees what you're going through and he cares deeply. He cares deeply. Could be physical, emotional, spiritual. Could be a deep longing for something, a goal, achievement. It could be advocating in prayer for someone or something. Before I pray, I'm just going to be silent for about 20 seconds and I want you to think and pause and reflect. What is God stirring in your heart today? Well, God, I thank you so much for these two examples in Scripture today. I thank you, God, that you met with these two individuals and you care for each one of us today. I thank you that you see each person here today and you see every need. 
God, I know that, that you see every person and you care so deeply about what they're going through and we bring our needs before you today. And God, we ask you for help. I pray for every situation, every need, every dream, every desire, and every hope in each person's heart today. God, I pray for breakthrough. God, I pray for healing. God, I pray for a miracle. I pray that you would loosen the chains of bondage in people's lives right now in this moment. Jesus, I thank you that you have compassion. I thank you that you see every need. I thank you that you care deeply about your children. I thank you that you are not far off, but you are close and you are personal and that you care. Jesus, would you please respond to each person today? We know that you're powerful enough, you're strong enough, and we choose to trust you today, God, with the outcome. Even if we can't see your hand, help us to trust your heart. Again, God, I pray for miracles to take place in people's hearts and lives, that the chains that are holding people in bondage and holding them back, that they would be set free. Jesus, help us to live biblically. Help us to find the freedom and blessing of striving after you, pursuing relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen.